Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome and thanks for joining us for today's session titled Reduce Stress and Increase Resilience. We approach the last quarter of 2020 and attempt to shift focus to the next challenge, whatever that may be. It's so important that we implement good mental health practices into our daily lives. College administrators being servant leaders more times than not put others before themselves. So today is a reminder to take time, take a short bit of time each day to tend to our own physical and mental wellness in order to better serve our constituents. Today, Russ Rauch, founder of Vision Pursue, will share methods that impact automatic thoughts and emotions from the brain. <clears throat> These methods include aligning expectations to reality, embracing emotions, and controlling the controllable. Russ Rauch and his colleagues at Vision Pursue provide training to help companies and sports teams create a performance mindset. His clients in athletics include the Miami Heat, Atlanta Falcons, Seattle Man Mariners within the professional realm, and Alabama, Michigan, and his alma mater, Kansas State, on the college side. He's worked directly with Miami Heat coach Eric Spolstra, Falcons coach Dan Quinn, and Michigan coach Juwan Howard, and was recommended very highly to us by NACTA past president Greg Byrne. Russ, thank you in advance for your insight and for your willingness to participate in today's session. Before we begin, I would like to remind our live attendees joining us on Zoom that you can ask questions throughout the session using the Q&A feature on the bottom of your Zoom window. Towards the end of the session, Russ will respond to as many questions as possible. Thank you all again for joining us today and Russ, thank you and take it away. Thank you, Bob, and welcome everyone. Great to be here. You know, the presentation today is about stress and resilience. And in my mind, that's all created by the mind. And I think if you're open today to what I have to say, really plug in and listen, you're gonna see a pathway to really decrease stress, to improve your resilience, but even more importantly, increase your overall personal happiness, effectiveness in the job that you do, and also your well-being. So I'm going to share my screen and start my presentation. And here's Coach Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots, six-time Super Bowl winner. He was asked this question by a reporter last year. With all you've accomplished, what are some things that you still want to accomplish? Big question. So I want you to think about that as we roll into this session. With all you've accomplished, whatever that might be, what are some things you still want to accomplish? How would you answer that question? And we'll come back to that in a bit. Now I want to start the first exercise. I would like everybody to stop thinking. Ready, begin. If you're like most human beings, uh, you weren't able to stop thinking. You tell your mind to stop thinking and it keeps right on thinking. This is the first step of starting to understand how your mind works is an awareness that you're not creating most of your thoughts or you're not originating most of your thoughts. Your mind is doing this automatically. If we looked at this simple picture of the brain, this red circular structure is called your limbic region. And we tell your mind not to think and it keeps thinking this is an automatic process that's coming from here. And then think about all the emotions that you've been feeling lately and that you felt your whole life. 
We don't pick those either. Those are automatic that come out of this limbic system. So when we talk about mindset and a performance mindset, we have to affect the way our brain is automatically experiencing the world through our thoughts and emotions. And this picture really helps us understand what's going on. And the title is Why Your Dog's Happier Than You Are. And if you look at it, you can, it says a lot. Because they're in a, it's a beautiful day in the park, but that's not what the person's experiencing. They're experiencing these automatic thoughts, this nonstop stream of dialogue that's going on in our head. So no matter what's going on in the world, we're not so much experiencing the world, we're experiencing what's going in our head or how our brains are experiencing the world. When you think about your automatic thoughts, there's something called an eight to one negativity bias. What does that mean? It means we're wired to think way more about what went wrong and could go wrong, way more than what went right and could go right. We've all experienced that, especially in the look at the world of athletics and athletic administration. There's a lot of winning. There's also a lot of losing, a lot of struggles. And what tends to stick with us that we replay over and over again are the struggles, the losses, and the difficulties, not so much the wins. They tend to be pretty fleeting. And so we have this eight to one negativity bias. Not only are these thoughts, then these become emotions because the brain then releases transmitters, neurotransmitters and hormones that make us feel emotions. So as we're lying in bed at night, feeling frustrated or anxious or worried about what's going to happen in the future, it's based on these thought patterns and these chemicals. In the last six years through Vision Pursue, I've went around uh, talking to people and doing interviews about how people are experiencing life. And it becomes very common about what people are experiencing. And this is what I was experiencing in my career. So to give you a little bit about my career, I was in the trading and technology businesses, the hedge fund business in Chicago, New York, and London. Uh, and what I noticed in my mid to early 40s is that I was experiencing a lot of stress. And the other thing I was experiencing was a lack of mental resilience. And that's what I've been alluding to. I'm replaying things over and over in my mind. Things that happened last week, two weeks ago, five years ago, even 10 years ago. So while I was physically resilient, I would show up and fight through the stress and work every day. Mentally, I was not resilient because I'm replaying this stuff all the time. And when you're feeling all this stress and anxiety uh, and you're not mentally resilient, of course, that affects your wellness you know, when you can't sleep and recover, and all of this affects your performance. And that was exactly what was going on with me. And what's the cause of this? It's this automatic thought. So if we want to change this picture, decrease our stress, increase our resilience and our overall happiness and performance, we have to do two things. We have to change the automatic thought pattern because automatic thoughts are always gonna be with us. They're a necessary part of brain function. And it's important to think about what went wrong so I can learn from it and what might go wrong so I can mitigate and plan for it. Uh, and so we need these automatic thoughts. We just don't need an eight to one negativity ratio. And we also don't need all the craziness that's flowing through our minds automatically all the time. So we have to train the mind to change the thought pattern. And the second thing you have to do, which relates to everything we're talking about, we have to train the brain to focus attention. When I'm not mentally resilient, I'm replaying these things over and over again. It's because I can't focus my attention. And so most of us 
in athletics and athletic administration, we look at young people and say, man, they just can't focus their attention. They get distracted so easily. But the reality is it's true for all of us. Most of us can't focus our attention very well. And so two things have to happen. We have to train the mind to change the thought pattern and improve focus. And to me, that doesn't require a speech. That's going to require mental training. Just like if we wanted to change the body, we would have to physically train for that. You couldn't just hear a speech. And so what my business is, is about training groups of people to change their automatic thoughts and emotions, uh, to be able to change that thought pattern and improve focus. And we measure results. So here's the results that we've been getting uh, for the last five years. First of all, I alluded to the fact we survey people, what's their life feel like before they start VP? And this is what they say. This is the average of over 4,000 people who've taken the survey. That life is mostly stressful, monotonous, and they're doing escape activities, like watching TV, drinking, uh, et cetera, social media. And very little of it feels good in a typical day. Now, mind you, this is all pre-COVID-19. Of course, it's all been exacerbated since then. But here's the after statistics. Big reduction in stress and annoyance, big reduction in monotony and escape and a different pie chart. And we're not dumbing people down uh, because listen, there's lots of things you could do to dumb yourself down to feel better. But of course, when you're athletic administration, you can't do that. It is all about performance and results. So how can we do both of those things? And what I wanna to do today, obviously I can't give you the full training that we do. I wanna give you the three best things we have that you can start to implement today to start to impact your automatic thoughts and emotions to be able to get some of these results that we're talking about. And before I get into the how-to, I wanna go into a little more science. And this is Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's a neuroscientist and at 37 years old, she was at Harvard University. She woke up one morning to find that she had a blood clot in the left hemisphere of her brain. This caused her left hemisphere to shut down. Now you may or may not know it, but there's a left and a right hemisphere, and she's gonna talk about that. So here's a brain scientist who knows what it's like to only have the right hemisphere functioning. And this left hemisphere is the analytical. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna do it? Language, the past and the future, all the stuff that's going on in the world, our brain's connection to it. And the, ex and the other side, the experiential, is a very different place. And she's going to talk about it, and then we'll break down why that matters to you and me. But on the morning of December 10, 1996, I woke up to discover that I had a brain disorder of my own. A blood vessel exploded in the left half of my brain. And in the course of four hours, I watched my brain completely deteriorate in its ability to process all information. If you've ever seen a human brain, it's obvious that the two hemispheres are completely separate from one another. And I have brought for you a real human brain. Yes. Thank you. So this is a real human brain. This is the front of the brain, the back of the brain with the spinal cord hanging down. And this is how it would be positioned inside of my head. And when you look at the brain, it's obvious that the two cerebral cortices are completely separate from one another. Because they process information differently, each of our hemisphere think about different things 
they care about different things, and dare I say, they have very different personalities. Our right human hemisphere is all about this present moment. It's all about right here, right now. My left hemisphere, our left hemisphere, is a very different place. Our left hemisphere thinks linearly and methodically. Our left hemisphere is all about the past and it's all about the future. And our left hemisphere thinks in language. It's that ongoing brain chatter that connects me and my internal world to my external world. And this is a portion of my brain that I lost on the morning of my stroke. My brain chatter, my left hemisphere brain chatter went totally silent. Just like someone took a remote control and pushed the mute button, total silence. And at first I was shocked to find myself inside of a silent mind, but it was beautiful there. Imagine what it would be like to be totally disconnected from your brain chatter that connects you to the external world. So here I am in this space and my job and any stress related to my, my job, it was gone. And I felt lighter in my body. And imagine all of the relationships in the external world and any stressors related to any of those, they were gone. And I felt this sense of peacefulness. And imagine what it would feel like to lose 37 years of emotional baggage. Oh, I felt euphoria, euphoria. It was beautiful then. Pretty amazing, right? Her experience of the external world is com was completely driven by what hemisphere of her brain she was connected to. And you think about everything we've gone through in the last six months, and especially I think about athletic administration, but lots of industries, it's been difficult. And it's hard to, to get any peace in all of it. And for sure, no matter what's going on in her world, she had a, when she was connected to that part of her brain, she felt this peace, this euphoria, this connectedness. Uh, that was a great place to be. And so when I think about our brains and our minds, it's like this picture here. This person obviously has a very developed right arm and an undeveloped left arm. Now that's the opposite of the brain hemispheres we're talking about, but it's still the point is the same. Most of us are analytically driven. I know I am. It's all about being analytical. And you think about everything you have to navigate in athletic administration, hiring, firing coaches, keeping them happy, the alumni, uh, your bosses, all these student athletes, and then you have your own personal life and there's a lot of uncertainty involved in all of it. So there's all this analytical stuff we have to do. It's really important to be good at that. And most of us are really good at that, but most of us are not developed on this other part of the brain, this experiential part of the brain. And it's so important to have this whole brain functioning. And I'll tell you why, because everything is not analytical. When you think about insight or these great ideas, this creativity that seems to come out of the ether, that's not analytical, that's experiential. And you think about connecting with other human beings at home and at work. That's experiential, it's not analytical. And a lot of us have seen people in our careers who are brilliant analytically, but they can't deal with people very well. And we've also seen people who are great people, people, but they're not very good at organizing and planning and executing. And so most of us 
have uh, you know decent at both, but how can we maximize both? And to do that, we need the entire brain. So I wanna talk about how to access that through three major things that Bob talked about at the, uh, at the start. Three things that are gonna impact this lim limbic brain, your automatic thoughts and emotions. They're expect your expectations through a, what we call expect the expected. All these emotions that you're dealing with and how you look and respond to them which is through a concept we call see and then controlling what's controllable. So let's get into the first one, expect the expected. I want you to think about a thought experiment. A 30 minute drive, we're gonna take two groups of 20 people. They're gonna do the exact same drive, but we're gonna tell them something differently. We're gonna prime them a little differently. So group A, right before they get into the car to take this 30 minute drive, we tell them expect it to be 45 minutes and difficult. They take the drive, it ends up being 30 minutes. It is difficult, there are bad drivers and bad traffic, but it's 15 minutes less than they thought it would be. And by the way, if you want, you can uh, jump onto your chat if you wanna answer this question. If, maybe we don't have a chat, so skip that. So just think about group A. Then there's group B. We tell them that, hey, this is gonna be a 15 minute drive and very easy. Okay, then they do the 30 minute drive, it's stressful and bad traffic. So which group do you think is gonna experience more stress? Group A, who was expecting it to be 45 and it was 30, or group B, who thought it was gonna be 15 minutes and easy and it ended up being 30. Now, I've done this a lot and I know the answers and it's pretty much, people will say group B by about 80% is gonna experience more stress than group A. And it seems pretty obvious because if you go in thinking, hey, this is gonna be a piece of cake and it's way harder than you thought, the brain's gonna to react to that. Your expectations aren't being met. And you might think, well, what's the big deal there? Well, it's a huge deal because if you believe what I'm saying and you pick group B, what you're saying is you can literally impact your brain's stress response by simply changing your expectations. And that's exactly correct. And the brain does this weird thing where, you know, traffic's a great example. A lot of us aren't driving much anymore, but when we are, there's bad traffic. And yet we seem to be shocked every time there's bad traffic. We're sort of surprised by it, like we didn't expect it. And think about a difficult person in your life that you're dealing with. Pretty much know they're gonna be difficult. You know, what they do is actually pretty predictable. Yet every time they do it, we act like we're completely shocked. I can't believe they acted this way. And so the brain does this weird thing of expecting the world to be perfect and easy. And it's not that way. And so expect the expected, there's different levels of expect the expected, but I wanna talk about the most basic level but we have to expect things to be as they are. And they're difficult. And when I think about athletic administration, number one, the competition. You know, all the other athletic departments and, uh, and teams are talented. They're all trying really hard. So the competition's immense. And so there's lots of challenges. There's lots of losing. And then when you look at the expectations of fans as some alumni, a lot of that's unrealistic. A lot of people are unreasonable. And you look at what's going on with COVID. Bob talked about it. Look at all the uncertainty, you know, that we're dealing with. Look at this loss of control and the liability you have to deal with. And you've got all these people you're responsible for who are depressed and anxious and struggling. And so what expect the expected says is you can't ignore all that. You have to face up and say, this is the business we're in. 
even before COVID-19. It's a tough business. And so when you start to expect the challenges and the difficulties, the brain will go, oh, we expected a 45 minute drive because a lot of life or athletic administration is that way. And we think about our home lives as well. You know, being married, having kids, everything we're doing is full of struggle and challenges. And so we should expect those. And the other thing we should expect is a lot of emotion around this. And of course, we've all been feeling this the last six months more than ever, but anxiety, stress, depression, people are all experiencing this at different levels and it's completely to be expected. It's completely normal based on what's going on. And so when we normalize these things that are going on and the way we feel, the brain calms down a little bit. Now this can all sound really negative, but it's not negative, it's just realistic. On the positive side of things, what we can expect is that we can handle this, we can get through all of this. And then if we stick to what's controllable and we handle our emotions well, we're going to improve radically. That we can have great improvement, great success over time, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna avoid all the difficulties and pitfalls of our jobs and what we're doing. So that's the first concept is expect the expected. So even when you get your expectations in line with reality, that helps your emotions, but that's not gonna stop you from having emotions. And first let's talk about what emotions are. They're automatic chemical projections in the brain. Whenever you feel any emotion, it's because your brain decided to project a chemical to make you feel that way. So the question is, how should I respond when I feel all these emotions that I'm feeling? So to answer this, I'm gonna to go to Dr. Susan David from Harvard University. He has a, a, pretty, a really good TED talk that you should check out. Here's an ex, some excerpts from it to talk about how to handle all these emotions we're feeling, especially the negative ones. We are seeing how people's tendency is more and more to lock down into rigid responses to their emotions. On the one hand, we might obsessively brood on our feelings, getting stuck inside our heads. On the other, we might bottle our emotions, pushing them aside and permitting only those emotions deemed legitimate. And being positive has become a new form of moral correctness. People with cancer are automatically told to just stay positive. But when we push aside normal emotions to embrace false positivity, we lose our capacity to develop skills to deal with the world as it is, not as we wish it to be. Research on emotional suppression shows that when emotions are pushed aside or ignored, they get stronger. Psychologists call this amplification. Tough emotions are part of our contract with life. You don't get to have a meaningful career or raise a family or leave the world a better place without stress and discomfort. Research now shows that the radical acceptance of all of our emotions, even the messy, difficult ones, is the cornerstone to resilience, thriving, and true, authentic happiness. What is the emotion telling you? And try not to say I am as in I am angry or I am sad. When you say I am, it makes you sound as if you are the emotion. Whereas you are you and the emotion is a data source. 
instead try to notice the feeling for what it is. I'm noticing that I'm feeling sad or I'm noticing that I'm feeling angry. What is my emotion telling me? Which action will bring me towards my values? Which will take me away from my values? So emotions are a chemical. We're going to have a whole bunch of them. They're there for a reason. They're there to help us, even those that feel like it is helping us. And the reason why we get so bogged down with emotion is we're looking at it wrong and we're responding to it incorrectly. And I want to play a video here from Shyla Coleman, who's one of the VP customers. And she's going to talk about emotions as an athlete and a coach and how to change the way you look at them and how that impacted her. Shyla Coleman, I am currently I'm an assistant coach. VP for me has been an amazing experience from start to finish. Being able to just be mindful of what is causing me to feel the things that I'm feeling, whether it's positive or negative, has been life-changing for me as an individual. Your brain is giving off this chemical because you want to do good. You want to have a positive outcome. To think of it like that rather than thinking of it, I'm upset or I'm angry or I'm stressed, I can see that in our players. For them, they just think of it as an emotion and not necessarily just a chemical that's being released that's something that's going to last for 90 seconds. They're thinking about, oh my gosh, this one play is going to mess up their entire game, or if we lose, it's going to be my fault. And while we tell them that, it wasn't one particular play of the game that caused us to win or lose. It's different when you put it in a frame of, it's, it's a chemical. It's something that's only supposed to be temporary, but it's something that is meant to help motivate you. It's not meant to make you feel bad about yourself. It truly has helped me see that in our players and see it in myself. I look up. So very powerful. We have a little acronym to put together that you can start to apply to all these automatic thoughts and emotions you're having. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, you're triggered, you're feeling all this visceral response going on in your brain, what should you do about it? Not only in the middle of the night, but anytime. All these things you're experiencing, and it's through the acronym SEE, which stands for separate, embrace, evaluate. So the separation is really what Shiloh was talking about. Don't look at emotions as who you are. They're just something you're experiencing. They're chemicals your brain projected. And don't look at them as a bad thing. The reason why we have them is because we care and we want to do well and we want things to be fair and we want things to turn out right. And so all of these things are motivating factors for us. So the separation is just saying, hey, my brain created these thoughts and emotions. It's a message. It's temporary. Now I can actually stand back and observe it, even though I can feel it. And then the second step is embrace, which is thank and experience the thoughts and emotions. In other words, thank the messenger. And most of us don't want to feel a lot of anxiety and stress and fear. I get that. So why would you embrace it? The reason you embrace it, because that's how you let the chemical flow through your brain. It's giving you the message. You're opening up and going, I got the message. Thank you for the message. That doesn't mean it's going to go away right away. The chemical is going to last as long as it's going to last. But typically they last a lot shorter when you separate from them, you embrace them. That's the science that Dr. David is talking about. Then they pass through you. And then you can go to the third step even while you still feel the emotion. And the bottom line is, no matter how I'm feeling, the question is, what am I going to do about it, if anything? And so the question to ask yourself is, what's controllable and what's productive, regardless of how I feel? 
And then we move away from the emotion to executing. What do I need to do? And I'll give a quick example of this, of feeling overwhelmed, because every human being at times feels overwhelmed, especially now. And so when most of us feel overwhelmed, we don't have a plan for it. We just get overwhelmed. And what we tend to do when we get overwhelmed is we tend to self-medicate. I'm just going to turn on Netflix or have a drink or do something like this. I, I just don't want to feel this anyway. Or I go look at LinkedIn or read the sports page. I just want to get away from it. So that's not, you know, every once in a while, every human being is going to do that. But in general, that's not a good strategy. So let's apply BP. Number one, expect the expected. You're going to feel overwhelmed at times. Everybody does. It's completely normal. Then separate from it and go, okay, I'm having an experience right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed. These chemicals are flowing through my, my mind and my body. Embrace. You know, why would your brain make you feel overwhelmed? It's doing that because it's saying, hey, Russ, man, you have a lot to do. And I don't know how you're going to do it all. So you need to get going. You need to get with it. And so when I say, thank you, you're right, I do have a lot going on. That lets it calm down a little bit. And even while I still feel overwhelmed, then I go to evaluate. And you think about it when we're overwhelmed, what does it mean? Well, prioritize, ask for help, ask for more time, say no. There's all kinds of things that we can do uh, once we get our mind right to fight through the situation. But what most of us do is we do the opposite. We self-medicate and then we even get further behind the eight ball. So separate, embrace, evaluate, along with expect the expected is a very powerful way to deal in the moment tactically with whatever your mind's throwing at you. And we could go through tons of examples, but the process is going to be the same, which is one of the beauties of applying these principles. Now, the last thing I want to talk about uh, is control. And think about this question. How many things in your life can you control? Make them the way you want them and keep them that way. Second question, how many things are you trying to control? And for most people who get in athletic administration or management or sports, we're trying to control everything. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. We want to control these outcomes and we want to get, do things the right way. We want to help people, all these things we want to do. But the reality is we can't control very many things. And that was before COVID-19. Now we're acutely aware of how little control we have over the last few months. And so when you can't control what you're trying to control, your brain will alert you through stress emotions. So what are your options? The only option you have is focus on the things you can control. And let's go back to sports and I want to you to think about answering this question now so that we started with when Bill Belichick with that was asked with six Super Bowls all you've accomplished what are things you still want to accomplish his answer good practice today top of the list now does he want to win another Super Bowl or more without a doubt what he's saying is what I want to focus on is what I can control and what's always the most controllable are not outcomes in the future it's what I'm doing today and more specifically, what I'm doing right now. Putting my mind into the present, doing the best I can with what I have right now. And not just this, I just got a quick video of him saying this so you can hear it straight from him. Is the goal to go back and win the Super Bowl again? Well, that's too far away. The goal right now is to, is to put a good competitive team together. 
then the goal would be to have our team compete and work the way it needs to work to have a good spring, then to have a good training camp, then to be ready for the start of the season. So we can only control what we can control in the short term this week, uh, our next opportunity. So that's where we're at. Think about everything that's going on that you're having to deal with, you know, worried about money and budgets and athletes and people's mental health. And you got your whole family and you're all, we're all locked in, uh, in our own homes, dealing with all this sort of stuff, so much out of our control. And so when we expect that it's going to be difficult, we embrace our emotions and we keep the focus on, if I want to do the best I can to get the outcomes I want in the future through all of this, I got to keep putting my attention on what I can control day to day in the moment. And I gotta let go of the results because we can't control so many of those results. And when you start to let go of the results and put all your energy into the process and focusing on the controllable, that gives you the best chance to get those results. So to put this together, I have Charles Leno Jr. here. He's a starting left tackle for the Chicago Bears. Those of you who don't know him, he went to Boise State. He was a seventh round draft choice for the Bears, barely got drafted, was kind of a utility guy. Uh, and after two or three years in the league, he became the starting left tackle, which is very unlikely uh, for somebody of his size and his background. And when he came to me and, and he started working on VP, he had just signed a, a four million, or I'm sorry, a four-year, $38 million contract. So he'd already kind of made it. It was for him, it was much more, how can I enjoy this? You know, I'm living my dream, but I'm not really enjoying it, all this stress and pressure. Uh, and so I got a little excerpt of a video of him and I talking about controlling what you can control and the impact that had on him. Anybody's competitive in anything, they don't want to dull that competitive part of them down. You know, when you playing left tackle in the NFL is one of the most difficult positions to play in any sport. Is VP allowed you to keep the edge of wanting to constantly be better, but not crushing yourself when you're not perfect? Playing in the league, playing uh, left tackle, you have this sense of results are everything because clearly wins and losses matter <laughs> in the NFL. And one thing that VP's taught me is like, don't worry so much on the result. For example, I'm having a pass set and I'm, I'm in a pass play. The worst case scenario is a sack, you know? So for me to, to internalize that, it was more of an aspect of focus on the process, focus on my steps, focus on my hand placement, focus on, the play call, all those things that lead up to the play. And once the play happens, let it happen. When you get focused up on a result and you say, I can't give up this sack, I can't do this, that's when you start getting in your head and you only focus on those things. And that's when other errors can possibly happen, whether it's a, a penalty or a holding or technical issues. But I just try to focus on the process and understand that the process is greater than the result. And if you continue to focus on that process, the results will take care of themselves. Yeah, it's something that can work for all of us. You think about the difficulties of being left tackle, where people just notice your failure and you almost have to be perfect going against really great athletes. Such a stressful job. And again, what helped him, it's almost crazy when you think about it. He quit. He got out of his mind, I can't give up a sack. He quit thinking like that. Because there's no, you don't have control over that. And ultimately, that's impossible to think that's ever going to happen. And so thinking about not giving up a sack made him miss things that actually caused him to give up sacks. Same is true with us. Thinking so much about the outcome 
makes us miss the things we need to do right now to give us the best chance to get the right outcomes. And not only does it help our outcomes, it helps our mental health because we're right in the pocket of the controllable. I got one other video I wanna play for you. This is Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat. And what he talks about, I think, kind of puts it all together. And there's a little intro video about Duncan, for those of you who don't know his story, before he gets into the BP part that relates to what we're talking about. I am crazy for not putting Duncan Robinson on my most improved players list in the NBA awards video. JJ Redick basically summed up how I feel about this kid. I didn't know your whole story. This year starts and you're starting for the Miami Heat. And I'm like, what the f You're awesome. appreciate <laughs> that. Listen to this journey. Who goes from the Governor's Academy High School to Phillips Exeter Academy to D3 Williams College to Michigan to undrafted the G League, then an NBA starter? What? Duncan absolutely exploded onto the scene this his second year in the league. Duncan? Yes. Duncan from deep. You look at the numbers, they're insane. He's hit nine threes in a game three times in his first full season. Duncan joined Stephen Curry, James Harden, Clay Thompson, and Buddy Heald as the only players ever to do that. I'm Duncan Robinson from the Miami Heat. Um, I first got introduced to VP my rookie year. Um, with Miami in our training camp, uh, Russ came and, and spoke to us, and I started using the app and just to develop, uh, you know, develop a relationship with Russ as well. Really, VP just just helped me better understand my mind, how it works, how I can utilize it, and then also kind of develop like a, a roadmap as to how I can effectively use skills that both VP and Russ have, have given me. The biggest struggles that I, I have, particularly when I was playing with the Heat, was I was a great practice shooter and I could make all these shots in practice and, and workouts. And, and when I got my opportunities in games, I really struggled to produce um, in game settings. That when I didn't make shots in games, the stress and the anxiety of missing shots would just compound. And it got to the point where I would just be in this mental pretzel of not being able to perform, um, and it was debilitating. VP gave me the skills, first of all, in, in terms of expectations and, and just embracing these misses and, and actually having an understanding and knowing that they will happen and that misses are inevitable, and not necessarily to focus on the misses, but to just focus on executing and executing every single time and doing my job and embracing emotions that come with missing and understanding why it is that I'm feeling them. And it, it, it absolutely helped me perform. It made me much more at peace with missing individual shots and knowing that, okay, I can't necessarily control if this next shot's going in or if this shot that I'm taking right now is going in. But over time, if I shoot enough and do my job and take care of all the things, the little things that, that and make sure all those things are in place, that I will make shots at the clip that I need to, to perform. So Duncan put it together pretty well there. He talked about number one, he has to expect he's going to have misses. He's going to have bad games. He's going to have bad streaks. And so when that happens, you just say, hey, that's normal. I wish it didn't, but that's everybody's gonna, that's gonna happen to anyone in a competitive environment. It's just not gonna, just gonna waltz in there and just kick ass all the time. 
And number two, that's going to cause emotion. And it causes emotion because he wants to do well. Uh, we all want to do well. So we're going to feel emotions. And then you embrace those emotions. You separate from them, you embrace them. And then he talked about controlling the controllable, executing, doing my job. You know, so much of the time we think about positive thinking and people are told, believe you're going to make the shot or believe you're going to succeed or believe this or believe that in the future. You know, what, what we talk about isn't doing that so much and arguing with whatever your brain's saying. You just think, I expect these difficulties. I embrace the emotions that come at me and I keep doing my job. And if I keep doing my job, and I do all those things. Those good things will happen. Good outcomes will happen. You will succeed in athletic administration. You will succeed uh, in your family, in your personal life. You just have to keep doing the right things and let the results happen. Um, so again, I realize, listen, it's a results-oriented world. Certainly your world is. We're not saying results don't matter. They do matter. They completely matter. We're saying the best way to get them is to get your mind right and focus on the controllable. And so the last thing I wanna end on is besides those three steps, and I'll put them back up there. These are the three things that I'm leaving you with that you can start to apply in your life. You know, you don't have to hire VP or get the app or anything like that to do these things. I mean, those things could potentially help you, but you can start getting your expectations aligned with the reality, learn to separate from and embrace your emotions and control the controllable. Write those down and look at those a few times a week. The last thing I wanna leave you with is how to access this right part of your brain. Because when you look at these three things, they're very analytical. It's using the analytical brain to calm down the limbic brain, thought and emotion, to use your whole brain. In this last part, I wanna go through some exercises that for most of you will help calm your brain, your analytical brain, and access the right side of your brain. Now it's different than probably what you're used to doing. Uh, and so that would be normal. And it's gonna include looking at pictures, which is your right brain is very picture oriented and a little bit of meditation so you kind of feel what that's like. So to start here, I want you to take in this picture. Just go into pure observation mode. What can you see? If your mind's really activated and wondering why we're doing this and what's the point, that's okay. Just observe that. Bring your attention back to the picture. Find the most interesting part of the picture and notice all the detail in that part. Now I want you to go to what your mind is saying is the least interesting part of this picture. Notice all the detail there. Now let's take this picture in.
just gazing around, notice the different elements. And while you're looking, I want you to connect to your breath. Just observe the picture while noticing your breathing. While you observe, just let these words come in. That you have to expect difficulties, challenges in your life and in your emotions. It's completely normal. You can separate from these emotions knowing they're temporary, there to help you. even embrace and thank them. And then evaluate what's controllable, what's productive. and consider the value of training and using your entire brain, your entire mind. How the analytical part of your brain is important, it's probably served you well, but how you can develop this experiential part more insight, creativity, connection come from. And now you can have this balance of feeling the stress and anxiety, but also to be able to feel some peace like Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor described. You can keep looking at the picture or close your eyes. In fact, it might be helpful to close your eyes. Now I want you to let your mind go wherever it wants to go. Don't judge it. Don't try to stop it. Just observe it. Now just notice the state you're in right now. What is your mental state?
Take a few more breaths, deep and slow. And while you're doing that, Katie will come back on and we'll do a few minutes of Q&A before we wrap up. All right, well, Russ, thank you so much for sharing this knowledge with us today. Just a reminder for our attendees on Zoom before we get into Q&A that if you do have any questions for Russ, um, that you go ahead and enter those into the Q&A feature on the bottom of your Zoom screen uh, and we'll get to those. But Russ, we did have a couple of questions come in. Um, the first one, how do we focus on the controllable when so many big things in the world right now are outside of our control? We're self-isolating because of COVID. We're on the West Coast and dealing with wildfires and smoke. What's a good starting point for focus with those in mind? Yeah, so what's controllable is just simply that, what is controllable. Uh, so there's so many things that aren't, but I would say whatever is bothering you, you just write down on a piece of paper, this is what's bothering me, whether it's wildfires or COVID-19 or sheltering in place or politics or social unrest. And then below that, write down all the things that you can do that are controllable. And it might be a very short list sometimes. But the reality is we're just going to have to focus on those things we can't control. Because when you think about it, what's the alternative? Focus on a bunch of things you can influence or control. What's the point of that? And so to get to the controllable, because a lot of, you know, lots of coaches tell their athletes focus on the controllable but they, the athletes can't get there and we can't get there. And the reason they can't get there is because of the first two points that we talked about. You got to get your expectations in line with reality. And right now we're in a difficult period. And so you have to expect uncertainty, difficulty. It's going to go on for a while. doesn't mean it's pleasant, but you have to expect it. That lets the brain calm down a little bit. And then we embrace all these emotions that we're having. That is the doorway then to focus on the controllable, regardless of what's getting thrown at us. So another question here for you, Russ, what's the balance between outcome goals and focusing on the process? Yeah, I, do, I try to put them on the same level. Uh, you know, a lot of times people, we're obviously wired to be really focused on outcomes. We think about the past outcomes that we didn't like and we the future outcomes that we want. And when we spend all of our time there, we're not here in the present focusing on the process. So it's not a matter of eliminating the outcomes, we're all, it's natural to think about them. It's just interrupting that pattern and doing what Coach Vilicek was talking about, which is, hey, we don't deny the fact that we have to have outcomes. We embrace that, we embrace the stress. We just keep putting our attention back on the controllable and the process in the moment. And the other thing that's important about all of this is you have to train your mind to do it. The reason most of us are so bad at all of this, it's we've never had any training. Like we don't know how the brain works. We don't know how to train the brain. So it's a little bit like telling an athlete, hey, be really strong and have endurance and they haven't trained for it. It doesn't work like that. So when we train the brain, we have much more capacity to focus on the present and the process. So Russ, as Bob mentioned in his opening comments, we have so many servant leaders within our membership and that are joining us today on this session. 
So how can we, you know, shifting focus a little bit away from ourselves um, because we are servant leaders, how can we maybe help um, staff members, family members, student athletes that may be struggling or that are distracted and unmotivated in this current environment that we're experiencing? Well, job one is you got to take care of yourself. It's like the analogy on the airplane, get oxygen for yourself before you help others. So, you know, if we're stressed out and we're not handling this well, how are we supposed to help others? So we have to take care of ourselves first. And I think that I gave a lot of, you know, keys on how to do that. And then once we start to do that, and while we're doing that, we can help others by doing what we just, what we've been talking about. Number one, get their expectations in line with reality. You know, help them navigate through, hey, this is reality now, and validate their emotions. This is just so important. So when somebody comes to you and they're feeling a certain way, the number one first thing you do, because what, what typically what leaders do and what analytical people do, I want to go straight to you and tell you what you should do. Like, in fact, I might even say what you're feeling and what you're thinking is not accurate, and here's what you need to do. You want to avoid that, and you want to validate the emotion. Because once we validate the emotion, it calms down and has a place to go. And then that's the gateway then to what's controllable. So learning those things of just walking people through expectations, embracing emotions and focusing on what's controllable, but being very careful to validate the emotions in the middle there, because that's hard for most of us to do for ourselves and for others. So why is it so hard, Russ? Why is it so hard to focus on what's controllable? because your brain just wants to go straight to the outcomes and the results. We're analytical minded. We want those end results. And so our brain's gonna go right there. And like I talked about my analogy of the guy with the huge, one huge arm and one tiny arm, our brains are not balanced. Because if you came on this uh, talk today and you didn't understand the limbic brain, you didn't understand where thoughts came from or emotions came from, you didn't understand the left brain and the right brain. Most of us don't, right? I went through my business career. I didn't know any of this. And so how was I supposed to know how to deal with it? So I didn't understand how the brain worked. I didn't know how to train the brain. And once I started to do those things, everything we're talking about started to happen. And again, I'll, I'll make the analogy back to athletics. It's like, you don't just say, hey, be physically strong, have great endurance and have great quickness. You got to train for it. When you train for it, it's there and available for you in an athletic sense, same thing with the mind. Awesome. Well, Russ, I don't think we have any other questions coming in. Um, so if you wanna go ahead and provide some closing remarks for us, we'll bring Bob back on screen to close us out. But thank you again. Um, and Bob will come back on here shortly. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for everybody that showed up. So clearly I believe the mind's important. When you talk about, we started the whole thing with stress and resilience. Stress and resilience are products of the mind, without a doubt, for sure. So if you wanna improve on those things, you have to strengthen the mind. And to do that, what I suggest is you walk away from here and you start applying those three steps. Expect the expected, see, and control the controllable. And you can also start to look at some sort of meditative practice and even picture, looking at pictures uh, periodically to access that right part of your brain. In other words, a mental training routine. You need to get one of those. That's what I've encouraged and challenged you to do if you want this mental strength and these benefits. And what I believe is gonna happen for you if you do that 
uh, you're going to have less stress, more resilience. You're going to be happier. You're going to connect with people better. And that's going to start to propel your performance in whatever you do, both at work and at home. So I'll turn it over to you, Bob. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Russ. You know, when we first started the session, uh, before we went live, we were talking about what you were going to review today. And, you know, you were talking about the nuts and bolts. And then you said something about meditation. I'm going, how the heck is he going to get that across? But I got to tell you, um, that was incredibly, that exercise was relaxing and it really, it, it really went a long way for me. It really made, meant something to me. And I think that that's a meditation is something that I think just, just letting your mind go. And I, I think it's, 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 it's very important that more people, uh, you know, should consider and it's something that I'm plan on doing in the future, just as an extra element of relaxation. So I thank you for that. I thank you for, uh, all of your comments today and uh, hopefully um, folks know where to get hold of you so if they want to use your services any further I'm sure they'll be able to reach out and uh, you'll be able to assist them uh, whenever possible so thank you again for that and those of you still on um, we announced today our fall forum that's going to um, occur October 5 6 and 7 we, uh, we have uh, General Martin Dempsey speaking. We have Derek Gregg, who's, who's a new NCAA uh, Senior Vice President on Inclusion, Education, and Community. So uh, please join us, sign up. It's complimentary. We want everybody involved. And again, thank you for being with us today. And we look forward to hosting future seminars down the road. Take care of us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, everyone. Yep.